Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, and anyone who has any interest in knife making or knives or whatever. My name's Jeff. My name's Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. With me today is the great Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. And maybe, maybe, hopefully, I got my fingers <laughs> crossed. Mareko Momasi who's having some technical problems. He'll pop in at some point, but we'll carry on. Soldier on. Soldier on. We hope it. he comes in, though. I got yeah. some questions here that you and I are going to be able to touch. <laughs> Any we're, Damascus questions? We're, yeah. we're going to be at a deficit. But fine. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How's your week been? bananas i mean high highs and low lows like mm. normally i i had a uh i did a marathon hand sanding uh this week i hand I, sanded, that was a lot of hand sanding dude, i did see i hand sanded 56 knives and i gave myself five days to do it and i had very very set goals in regards to how many how long it would take me to do everything and i, I got to the point where i was averaging 30 minutes a knife. And obviously you say 30 minutes a knife, but one may be faster than the other. So one of them, you might have like a little dip or something in there that you had to like go back to the grinder and whatever. Hmm. So it was averaging about half an hour. Oh, let's say 35 minutes. So I was like, you know, I would have these goals like before lunch, we had to do this. And before lunch, we had to do that. After lunch, we had to do that. And I got down to doing, getting 10 knives hand sanded in a day obviously you that's know, good going it wasn't an eight hour day you know mm. i mean there was I, you know i gotta do other things besides just standing there hand sanding there's yeah emails and there's life you know, life goes on a hundred percent so we actually you know my i gave myself a very strict goal and then i was pumped the first day i was like i have these what i refer to as the cat paw calluses from mm. the hand sanding stick i have these in the, my palms and my hands i got these little cat paw calluses i get and mm. and then we'd started selling the, the sweatshirts so all of a sudden one day I could only get eight done so that made me have to do 12 the following day which i did and then um it was it was the bittersweet part was is on friday i finished everything and and this is one thing that i've mentioned in the past is the, the our school district is doing hybrid learning that means that they're breaking up the students for you know social distancing purposes and yeah. then half the students are coming in two days a week the wednesday they're supposed to be cleaning everything like crazy and then the teachers are preparing for the second half of the week so then the kids who are in the first monday and tuesday will stay home wednesday thursday or friday and then the kids who miss monday tuesday Got will you. go so to they're, school they're swapping over yeah right so with the exception of if there are any so all the kids are staying home or doing distance learning or uh, virtual learning so 
we've, you know, we're very big into the school district. We've known all the uh, superintendents. We've, we're very supportive of all the principals of all the schools, and we're trying to be as rah-rah as possible. Because it's not a good, we don't have a good school district, period. So <clears throat> we, um, every, so every few months there's a, 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 an email that says, does your child want to do, continue with the hybrid system or do they want to do all virtual learning? And we've always been like, let's do the hybrid. You feel safe, you feel comfortable, you're wearing your mask. And then we've recently been having a number of positive cases in the school and they shut the school down. So my kid who's been like doing it the best she can, we set her up in my shop. So I got her, I got her she came to my shop and she felt like it was good because she's not in the house all the time and it's almost yeah. like her office. Change of scenery. Change too. of scenery. And, you know, I was hand sanding, so I wasn't making a lot of noise. I wasn't coming up with a lot of dust. You know, I just had my Isotunes earbuds in my ears, <laughs> sponsor of the podcast. And then um, I was, uh, you know, it was great. And then, you know, I finished Friday off. And then Friday night, we got this email saying, all right, the deadline to make the decision whether you're going to do hybrid learning or virtual learning is today because we need to figure out all the things. So we had this long conversation. Personally, I was pushing for hybrid. I wanted to go in. I want, you know, more kids to, you know, opt to go in because I feel yeah. like we need to soldier on here. We need to figure out a way to everyone's social distancing and you're not doing certain things. And after a long conversation at the dinner table, we all, she decided, I don't want to, I don't want to go back. So we talked about it for a while. And I, and she said, look, when we're in the classrooms, we're still on our computers. They're, they're using these, you know, these uh, Google Classrooms in order to kind of, like, monitor attendance. Right. So, so, like, and then she says, I don't feel like they're cleaning the place as nicely as they could. And then for lunch, it's like, she's like, I don't even, I don't even eat lunch You're being played. You're totally being, she doesn't want to go to school, simple as. Well, I, if, <laughs> if, if that were the case, if that were the case, I think she's, you know, it still were. I mean, it's not like she's sitting in her bed doing her homework, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. But it's very much, it was like this, it was a decision, and she, she's a smart kid. She's on the debate team. She's, she, every Wednesday, I take her to uh, this uh, food drive, and she helps distribute food to an extraordinary long line of cars for people who need a food drive, which is every time I'm like, oh, my God, this is like terrible. People are waiting, you know. So she's a very responsible kid. So if she was, like, giving me the okey-doke, I think I would know. <laughs> but it was it was very sad so friday night we're all like you know i'm trying to celebrate like all this hard work and all this discipline and then it was this very like real feeling of like well now my kid from now until april is going to be doing virtuals she's not going to be going to the school at all mm. and it was very like we had the, it was this very palpable feeling of like all right well that's it and it was sad it was Brave sad new world we're living in it was sad it was sad. And she said to me, she said to me, look, we're on the fucking, we're in the classrooms listening to the teacher and looking at the goddamn computer all day. Oh. It sucks. And if the Wi-Fi goes out in the school, we're just sitting there in silence. It's just like, it's, it's, I can do this whole thing. I can, I can be, feel more comfortable and less anxious here. I'll yeah. go to your shop, whatever. We'll figure something out. But it was like super, super depressing, you know? Jeez. But at the same time, it's like, you're right. It's a brave new world. Yeah. I mean, you're not in this situation yet because you, your kids are so much younger. Well, I mean, we were discussing this on, on our walk earlier. We've been out for a very long walk today. But back in Wales, where I'm from, they're currently having what they call a fire break. 
Um, so um, well, basically, Wales is governed by the UK, UK Parliament. Right. Um, but they have a devolved parliament as well. So they have, you know, bosses that will say what's happening in Wales. And they've decided on, a, on what they call a fire break, which means complete lockdown. All shops, bars, everything closed unless they're essentials. So that means supermarkets are open, um, but they literally lock down the aisles of things that aren't essential, which which to me is a bit ridiculous. That's a little bit. It is, but you can also see how, let's say you own a small business selling stationery around the corner and you're forced to close, but yet the supermarkets, because they sell everything these days, don't they? Right. So you can sort of see it, but so they're on complete and utter lockdown for 10 days. Um, And here in France, um, three quarters of France now have curfews um, between 9 p.m. and 6 a.m. We don't hear where we are at the moment, but we're expecting that to be announced tomorrow, so I'm pretty sure we will have. But it... It doesn't really affect us too much because right. we're home in the evening. We've got, as you say, we've got little babies. Um, but they're at the time now when they should be going to crashes and preschools. Um, but we obviously we, we've held back on that, of course. So, so you know, it's it's affected us a little bit, uh, but not you know, thankfully, not as much as um, it could be, it could be. So yeah, it's just things are just getting worse and worse, and I think people are just learning to live with it a bit more um, but it, yeah it's you know having a kid your age that's got to be scary because it's it's a different world She's, i remember being sort of you know 14 15 16 and the world's your oyster you right. know you've got all this freedom you can do what you want and oh scary well, times it's i'm fortunate enough that my kid is you know she's old enough that and she's smart enough i don't have to worry about her yeah you know that she's a fader that, she's she's smart obviously she, well, i mean she's more like a Lynn, but fine. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take it. I'll take a small. Uh, I'll take a small compliment. But um, I talked to some teachers who got kids who are like in first grade, second grade, third grade, where they're. It's impossible to get. I mean, like kind of like Mareko's kid's age. You know, he might. You know, you, how do you? You can't. What do you do for these? Some of these kids, and I don't understand how hmm. some of these parents. I know people are just like, when are you guys gonna start talking about knives? Well, Mareko's not here, so we're gonna like we're gonna off road it a little bit, guys. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 totally crazy, and mm. um, I the the only thing I can think of is I just I don't know how people who have young kids who have two parents who work at home or two parents who work outside of home make it happen. I don't I yeah. don't understand it. And in regards to it doesn't affect us. I mean, it's starting. It has started to affect my my company, Fader Knives, because. You know, we had an office in the city, in New York City, and we just gave up the lease. And we're we're going to be we're out of there. This, uh, we were supposed to be out of there. We're supposed to be out of there this month. So well, I got to go down the city and grab all my grab all of our shit. That was an office that Tony used for uh, his company and our company. And all. Yeah, it yeah. was like a place where we would have chefs come in, and it was really kind of like this, you know, big production. But it's just being in the city is just, just a waste of money. So we're yeah. we're actually we just gave that shop up and. It's really kind of, you know, it was a, it wasn't an act of desperation. It was just like, why are we just bleeding money with this goddamn place if, you know, no one wants to be in the city anyway? Yeah. I saw a video, a friend of mine, um, New York City, uh, works at Squarespace, and he was on the subway at 9 a.m., and he was the only person in the whole cart that he was in, you know? And it's just like, can you imagine a busy city like that, just deserted? It's scary. One of the things that I thought of uh, a long, a long time ago, just because I just felt like, I just remember when, when DSL was, uh, um, when internet was coming into the houses and I had, mm. one of the offices that I was at had, um, 
had uh, you know very fast uh, high speed internet, and we were trying to upgrade at home, and the computers weren't working, and we had to upgrade, and the computer was too old, and we had to, and I just got, I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that there's going to be this huge uh, class system based on technology, and the mm. fact that some people just aren't going to be able to compete or do anything because they, either they can't afford it or they don't they don't have the wherewithal. And I, I just, I've always felt like this is going to be the big divider in terms of people's futures. And it's always kind of made me very sad, you know, because we just got involved with raising all this money so some of these students can have Wi-Fi in their homes so they can actually do distance learning. And fucking sucks. Hmm. Wow, we got yeah. depressing, huh? I know, I know. Um, How was your week? About my week. My week. So, um... It's been, again, ups and downs. So it started the week with the, the launch of the box cutters, which was pretty much as we recorded last week. I sort of launched, uh, you know, sneakily on a Sunday. Um, so that took over the sort of the early part of the week, um, doing camp knife prep ready for heat treat, um, which is taking a bit longer than I thought. Uh, Why do you say that? I'm tr- because there's there's flats on these camp knives, uh-huh. whereas obviously with a uh, with a kitchen knife that isn't necessarily flats on your on your you know on your on your right. main face of the blade. Right. So what I'm trying to want to do is get these flats perfect before they go to heat treat because otherwise after heat treat they're very hard and it is much much harder work. So I've been using this um, this dips like a cortis something I can't think what it's called cortisol one thousand or something one of these dips that you put in before heat treat and then it crumbles off. So oh okay. you, you know with so it, you know it'll make things easier. So, so it, it's a coating. Really- it's a coating to prevent scale. Scale right. exactly. Yeah. So it's it's working really really well. Um, but it does mean there's a lot of prep sort of up front. Um, but, you know, I'm quite happy with that because it's easier prep than it would be once once the knives are hardened. So so I've done that. I've, I've recorded quite a bit of that. So I think that's going to be a video released this week. Cool. Just showing all the prep for that. Um, I Towards the end of the week, um, I'm pretty much like we talked about last week. I, I really want to get sort of stock up on the website. Particularly right. this time of the year, I want people to be able to go there and buy stuff, you know, gifts, all that kind of thing. So... The box cutters are going to be permanently up on the website. They're, they're always there. People can always buy them. So I thought, let's get a chef knife up now ready. So I started the, I think it was late Wednesday or maybe Thursday morning, started this uh, this chef knife and it was going to be pink and have this this like engraving on it. Um, and I was using, a while back, I made some paper micarta um, and I shared pictures at the time. And I love the colors, like a really soft sort of baby pink, you right. know? It was lovely. And um so the, I finished the blade and put, put the handle on and I'm trying to finish this handle. I just couldn't get it finished in a way that was, you know, perfect for me. And I, was I know like, what you're oh, saying. Bugging me. And actually, we spoke about this as well. Yeah. I messaged you if you've got any tips. I just couldn't get a nice finish. It was bits of white show in it. And it, it was just never, never, you know, that nice. So I thought, well, let's just crack on. And at the end, I'll buff it, see how we end up. So the, the whole idea was to engrave this this blade. So um, an illustrator that I know we worked with, and we had this, this beautiful illustration of flowers and butterflies and things, and they were going to be all over the blade. So um, I put it down on the laser, loaded it up, and did all the rest of it, lasered it. And obviously, once you laser, that's that's it. You're not sanding this out. Right. Um, and I forgot to remove the sort of boundary box around the design. So it's... It was within a square. Uh, I did put this up on it. You may have seen it. It was on yeah. Instagram. And right. it was just like... <sighs> you did send completely... a picture of it to me saying, fuck. <laughs> yeah. It was, it basically, really... I fucked the blade. Yeah. Oh, and it was fuck. just like, there's no way of... And I had so many messages from people saying, well, just take the handle off, you know, yeah. sand it down and redo it. And it's like, you can't. This is a That's deep, deep etch. Like a proper engraving, you know. Um, so, 
it, it was one of those things where I don't think I was a hundred percent happy with the handle anyway. So it's just look, look I'm not going to try and fix this. This is what oh we've got Mareko in the house. Mareko. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. How's it going? How are you? There he is. <laughs> there yeah. he is. We'll see how it goes. We'll just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Craig, you're talking about the knife that the the laser. The yes, laser wasn't sorry, working yes. right. So I was look, I'm just gonna scrap this. This is one this is one for my wife to have. Um you know, one of the many rejects that we were using that in the kitchen ourselves. And I redid it. So I, I called it the pink perseverance. That's what I was calling it, because um I was like, I'm gonna definitely gonna carry on and do another one. So um yesterday afternoon I actually finished it. Um and I'm really pleased with it. It's it's completely different to anything that I've done. It's the least threatening knife I think I've ever seen. It's like um, bubblegum <laughs> pink, and it's got like a butterscotch liner, but it's got this crazy engraving on the blade, which is really nice. So yeah, so that's up on the on the website now for sale, which is nice. Um, so yeah, it's starting to get some stock up on the site, so people can just go there and buy it. Um, that has pretty pretty much been my week. Um, I've been in these, this perpetual hell of shipping, where I'm finding some of the knives that I'm sending, they've been like a month and still still haven't been received. You know, and there's tracking on them, so we can see they, they arrive at the airport, and that's where tracking stops with Calissimo. And I know, Jeff, you received a knife finally that you'd ordered for I me. I love it. And, and I'm having some people, you know, sending through nice messages and pictures that knives are arriving, but it's that thing when I've got sort of 20, 30 knives still out, and it's, oh. And even this week, people ordering box cutters, I've sent them, and it's, oh, it's just, my heart is always just like, it just worries me so much. It's but, a uh, it's a uh, cutie. It's definitely a cutie. Which what's that? The box cutter. Not you. The oh. box cutter. <laughs> ah right, yeah, because you ordered one of the prototypes. Right. Yes, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So shipping has has been a headache all week again. Um, but what I did do is I went to the the new shop. Um, so the new house where the the shop is going to be, and I sort of measured it up, and I've I've been making sort of plans. Um, so we're going to talk about it in just a while. While Mareko's on the line, let's find out what he's been up to this week. Yeah, it was last week I've been finishing up this K-tip knife. Um, it's, uh, what is it? It's it's kind of like a CMI style with a topography uh, cladding. And nice. um, it's got moose antler and copper spacers. Um, and the, the the main body of the handle is actually, uh, thank you, Jeff, saving my ass. Uh, it's It's oak uh whiskey barrel stave from uh from uh the run of knives he did um who is i can't remember what chef you did that with guy down in I south did carolina it or something with like that. uh or georgia linton hopkins linton hopkins down, yeah. down uh, yeah yeah it wasn't it was the head i don't yeah, get this the staves are no good i always get the heads oh the, the staves head. okay, are the yeah they're too they're too not only are they too bent it's just too hard to get all they're also the way they're cut it's just you. The the, the right. heads are easier to process, for sure. Sense, yeah. But I, I had a customer who reached out and said they wanted antler and oak, like whiskey barrel, and I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do? And so Jeff was the first person I thought of, and uh, he he took care of me. So I owe you, you know a huge thank you. But that's come along well. I did a, a a nice little toast job on the handle, where it kind of blends up. Towards, so it starts at the butt of the handle and blends up towards uh, towards kind of like the white of the moose antler. And then the blade's going to be pretty well darkened out once it's all finished out. But I've been working on the Saya, um, and it's the smoothest Saya build that I've ever had. Um, 
And then, <laughs> but of course, like ever, uh, I was toasting the outside of it and I didn't even really think about the fact that, you know, heating, heating the outside while the inside's all not, not getting heat, I guess it's causing the sides of the side to warp. Um, so I, I put it, I, I set it down in the shop a couple of days ago, hoping that maybe it would pull the, the wood would pull in some of the ambient moisture. I actually sprayed a little bit of water on it. Um, to see if that would help kind of unpucker the sides. I don't know. I should reach out to Keith at Shipwright Skills, but that's his name? Ship, Shipwright? Yeah. Shipwright, shipwright Skills. skills. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, but, yeah. So, I guess uh, I'm going to be in the shop today as we're recording Sunday. I'll be going in the shop today for a few hours, uh, and I'll see if I have to start over on it. So, that's oh. kind of nerve-wracking. Um but it's all right. It's it's this new approach that I've been doing or I'm doing for my wooden sayas that it's it's a lot more streamlined than it used to be. It still takes a couple days of work to build the saya, but um but it's uh it's a lot more streamlined and it's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. I I I I almost had the whole thing built except for wishing to darken it. Jeff is showing I'm. I was trying to see if you, because oh, okay. you came in, I wanted to ask, and I've been texting you both. You might have to edit this oh, part yeah. out if your side's <laughs> recording or not. Uh, it says yeah, it's they're recording. All, on they're recording. Yeah, yeah. My bad. As you were. Um, as I was. As I was. Um, oh, one other thing, actually, as kind of like uh, it's not necessarily a recourse from last week's episode, but I just want to, uh, you know, I, I I hope people under stand that we're not a bunch of assholes um because especially when it comes to the names thing <laughs> they don't understand especially that, when it, no. <laughs> what's the matter no i just i was messaging with uh torbox uh the other day and uh and and after chatting with my wife some too you know i i grew up my entire life everybody fucking up my name all the time in fact jeff still can't say my name right and you've known me for like five five years well, tell us how you say your name uh craig does craig doesn't even know how to say uh aluminum right and so you know we just <laughs> well, so how, you do you, how do you want to... i after the n what <laughs> aluminium you, you well, when you, you his name is tarbox yeah, there's no i it's, after the n it's not torbox it's tarbox Oh, Tarbox, Tarbox. See, I'm still screwing up. But I want I want people to know that we I I there is a concern that I I have now that people think that you know we just don't care and that we're being assholes. And if you have a a different name, then we're just like, well, fuck you. Too bad for you. You have a stupid name. But the reality is, we're a bunch of dummies who don't know how to, or at least. I am a dummy, and I don't know how to read things well, and so I screw up names all all the time. Even though I have a very unusual name, and I hate it when people screw up my name. Okay, so uh, tell us how you how you want to call say me Mark if you can't say. Wait a second, Maleko. Wait. What you want us what? to say? Male Mal tell us how you want to say your name. <laughs> Benjamin Ma... Cocker. Tell just exactly. Let's just get this down. How do you want us to say your name? It's in, it's pronounced Malako. Is that how you say it? Ma, ma, le, ko. Ma, le, ko. Ma, le, ko. Ma, It's an R. It's, it's an R. Ma. Well, but in Polynesian language, it's kind of like other Asian languages where the R and the L are interchangeable. 
kind of sound depending on the context. And so ah, in okay. the context okay. of my name, it, the R is an L sound. How would you prefer us to pronounce your name? Maleko. Okay. Maleko. Maleko. Okay. Maleko. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then, but yeah, so I just, I wanted to put that out there. Uh, I don't know if it needed to be said or not, but I just wanted to let people know. You know, we're not a good old boys group. We, we, we're not, <laughs> we're not intentionally trying to be shitty. I, I, and I, I would hate for anybody to hold back from wanting to engage with the show write us a question or anything like that because they're worried that we don't give a shit how their name is actually pronounced the problem i think the bigger problem is that we're a bunch of dummies we we are trying our best and i it's you know well the tar box the tar box that. thing like, we're fooling around that wasn't a that wasn't oh, a mispronunciation yeah. the tar box thing right but we you know we're fooling around Everybody I mean, else, especially like is... Benjamin Cocker and all, <laughs> like Look, Benjamin Cocker. I don't. There's, I don't think there's know, any reason. To, I don't all. think there's any reason to to apologize for mispronouncing people's names. Well, we obviously some of us can't understand. You know, we get names that we can't pronounce, or people put up their 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 Instagram accounts that we can't pronounce correctly. I'm sorry that yeah. I pronounced your name wrong. We were fooling around with uh, Tarbox, <laughs> and it's like. Well, well, see, now you're giving me a hard time, but like now everyone's gonna be calling you Maleko, and I'm not 100 percent sure if you're kidding or not. I'm not kidding. Okay, Maleko, got you. We got you. <laughs> okay, I'm no longer Greg either, or Craig. Well, you let's, get... let's get this down. Craig. Craig, Craig, that's the one. That's the one. Craig. So I've got, I've Craig. got a couple. I've got a couple of questions this week, whereas we, I normally have one question okay. to sort of set the show up. Uh, but first of all... Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! And I've been using my Even Heat like crazy all week. And again, rock solid. Make sure if you're getting a uh, heat treat oven, make sure it's an Even Heat. And tell them we sent you. So I've got two questions. I don't know which one to go with. So I'll I'll ask both questions, and you guys decide what you want, what the answers should be, um, which one to answer rather. So I was I was thinking, we had this whole thing a couple of weeks ago with TikTok, and there was this thing whether it was going to be shut down in the US or whether it wasn't. And I mean, I, I know we don't really use TikTok, but I was just thinking about social media in general. And if it didn't exist, how would you promote the business, your business? Or do you think your business would need to change a little bit with regards to, you know, going forward without any social media? Because we rely on it so much for, you know, getting our work out there and, you know, getting new customers, that kind of thing. So so that was the first question. And the second one was I went to visit my new shop uh, this week and I took some measurements. It's it's 20 foot by 26 foot and, and it's a complete blank canvas. Um, so I was wondering how you guys would set up your ideal workshop which one should we go with either one's fine by me i'm doing both if you want okay all right then let's go let's go to social media if it doesn't exist how would you go about promoting your business um you know we we've got i I wouldn't say you know we've got huge huge followings but the three of us we got so you know substantial sort of follow followings on different social medias that kind of thing and it definitely does help promote our business but if it didn't exist you know if we went back to you know the 90s how did knife makers blacksmiths um, and you know tradesmen 
how did they promote their business? And so, you know, what would you do if it went so overnight? Is this bef- is this before websites as well? Um, or... No, I think you can have a website, but let's let's just say you know okay. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube—they're they're gone. Yeah. Okay. You know what, what? What would you do? How would you promote your business? And I suppose this is a good question for people who maybe just starting and they don't really have a, you know, a, a big following on any of these platforms anyway. The answer would be the same for them, I suppose. How would you promote your business? But do you think your business would have to change, to, you know, to to cope with that? Sure. What uh, do you think? I mean, I would, I, I would think that doing trade shows would definitely be one of the main ways to for people to collect, connect with collectors. Hmm. Um, uh, I think, what is it, blogs used to be, I mean, I don't know if blogs are coming back, but blogs used to be a huge deal. Yeah. And yeah. so me, be, being a uh, like a freelancer, kind of uh, a contributing writer to maybe a blog that um, gets a lot of traffic, basically. Hmm. I suppose there'd be a lot um, so more power you, in in you know, traditional print then, wouldn't it? Like magazines, you know. Um, oh, yeah, sure. You know, they'd have more clout, I suppose, that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, quick shout out to Quentin Middleton for being featured in uh, Martha Stewart Living magazine. There he is. Really? But, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, Quentin was just in there. He's been in a lot of magazines, actually, and I think that that would definitely be a, a major way to also get your work seen and get create attention or awareness of what you're doing and, and of your brand and your work. Um. I think what Jeff's doing with cross promoting with chefs is a great way, you know, if you get on like NPR somehow, <laughs> be part of what, what what are those uh, cooking shows up there in the Northeast? There's that one gal in Connecticut. She's kind of odd. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I, that, that was a terrible. Because um, I don't, <laughs> don't know go on that name. show, ladies and germs. What, what I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't go. Listen, don't. No, but she gets, but at the same time, she gets a lot of traction. She's got a lot of people listening to that show, but stuff like that. I think that would probably be what you would, you know, try to do is get, uh, get hooked up with other places that have the attention that you are looking for more than anything. That's basically it. And then cross promote with them somehow. What about you, Jeff? What, what are you thinking? If, if it didn't exist, how are you promoting your business? And do you think you change? I think you get stuck in the, into what artists do where they're 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 going to galleries i think you're having to kind of find places Mm. that deal directly with chef knives and culinary places Mm. and you're going to be one of the horses in the stall i I don't know i don't know if you didn't have obviously you know like um mark was saying you could use uh magazines (laughs) and stuff you said mark right yeah, Maleko. I'm either one. He either said Mark. I'm going to go Mark. I'll call him Mark. Keep it easy. So, you know, you could use the backs of magazines. I know Blade Show, Blade Magazine does that stuff, and you 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 can use publications. But I mean, you're gonna end up on, and you're gonna end up having to be associated with somebody else. So, hmm. what I would probably have to, unfortunately, have to say is like you're gonna have to look at places that deal directly with custom knife makers, and you're gonna have to, you know pony up your whatever 30 percent and you're gonna have to be at the mercy of other people promoting you you know yeah. see how i mean the whole sure. point of social media is you're you're able to kind of take away that take that away from um from out of the hands of you know somebody else and you're not giving a cut to somebody else mm. yeah i mean we get I, that, I mean, we get I this a lot 100 percent true 
be giving it a lot of thought because this time of the year, traditionally, over the well, the last two years, notice a small sort of pattern developing where I'd jump on a plane and I'd head to London and I'd email a loads of restaurants and I'd go and, you know, sort of press the flesh, you know, you're shaking hands and you, you show them what you've got and that, a very sort of traditional way of sort of peddling your work. Um, and that's worked out, you know, to give me work for the rest of the year, you know, for the last two years at least. And I think a, that would happen, have to happen a lot more. Um, it's far more expensive to do it that way because you're yeah, having to get out of the shop and as they press the flesh a bit more. But uh, I, yeah, I think without social media, I think there'd be a lot more of that happening. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not just social media; it's the whole sort of pandemic as well at the moment, you know, which is stopping that happening. Sure. It's yeah, it would be. I think it would be a really strange, particularly now. It would be a very strange world. It'd be very difficult to yeah. to get your work it, out there. It would be. You'd be cutting yeah. out half your customers because. Most of our lead more at least because if you're dealing with a, like a gallery or a place that deals with custom knife makers, you're dealing with people who are going there direct. They're, that's their they're, they're, it's it's a it's a place that's a, it's a destination spot as opposed to stumbling on something, you know, mm. especially like yeah. holidays or birthdays or something. And you're looking for gifts or something like that, and then you stumble upon something and think, oh, mm. this would be really great, as opposed to having to go to a knife shop where you're there for a reason. And then you yeah. have to wait, people have to wade through, you know, however many people you're representing. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, you're, you're going to get crippled. You're crippled without it, sure. I think. I think so we're lucky. It, I, it, internet forums would probably also be, I, I, I know that like kitchen knife forums and blade forums were really, really big. And still, there are still a lot of people that interact on them and strong communities there. But that was another place where a lot of knife makers, no matter, you know, if they were chef's knife makers or, you know, hunter, hunter knife makers, folder makers, whatever, would promote their work. And you would you would pay to have a sub forum. Basically, it's like having a stall at a market or something like that. You'd pay, I don't know how much a month, maybe $60 a month. Um, and and you'd be able to talk about your stuff, what you're doing, what you're making, show it. And basically use it the same way people use Instagram now, but it's just, mm. you know, it's a different platform. It's more, it's much more analog platform. I feel like than Instagram so yeah. easy to just throw up a picture and a caption. But once again, you're stuck with, you're stuck with people who are going to the forum because they want to go to the forum as opposed to a casual buyer. Yeah. You know, you lose out, you lose out on, on potential customers because you know, it's the same thing why, you know, nowadays uh, the Blade Show, more and more uh, chef knife guys are doing well there. But mm. before, I mean, it's, a, it's such a small, it's such a small minority of people who would be a casual buyer who would go to the, you know, Blade Show. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you're losing, you're losing, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I talked to, I talked to, you know, my business partner, Tony, about it. And like Instagram is, you know, once, especially once I get the swipe up feature. I mean, our, our, we're making more money and we're making all of it. I don't have to go to like a, we get asked to go every so often to do these, uh, these farmer's markets. And I yeah. say to the people, I'm like, look, this is very flattering that you want me there, but no one's going to be paying $500 for a knife at a farmer's market. They're buying yeah, you know, their yeah. cauliflower and apples. You know, it's just, yeah. it's one of those things sure. that it's just not, the juice isn't worth the squeeze in certain circumstance. And this is something that is fine. Mm. I'd be screwed be honest with you or mm. i'd have to just re I'd, I'd have to not screwed but i'd have to really rethink what i'm doing and how i'm doing it yeah 
But it, it made yeah. me think how yeah. reliant we are on that. You know, and like Instagram is cheap. You know, it doesn't cost us a thing, and we got we can promote to tens of thousands of people. But you know, if if it didn't exist, or you know, if the technology failed for a certain amount of time, I I, I think I'd be pretty screwed. Not being able to get out and press the flesh as well as we're currently in this pandemic. You know, I'm just thinking, you know, out of the box, thinking what the worst case scenario is how that would affect my business. And I think it would be huge. Sure. It would be, yeah, be yeah. a disaster. Well, and Jeff, Jeff talking about Tony, his business partner, and, and kind of like a little side note in regards to, uh, you know, like galleries or, or knife shops, um, you know, I think that realistically before social media there was maybe only a handful of them there are a lot of them now who really rely also on social media uh to market their stuff but beforehand yeah and, and when you would and that's actually how i got my start was selling through a retailer and 30 percent can be a, a heavy cut but if you think mm -hmm. of that person as kind of the business end of of a partnership in you know that 30 percent helps you uh, connect and develop those relationships with and, and these uh, with end buyers and your and customers and ultimately those buyers if they want something customized then they will come directly to you and that's where you know ideally you would have a website and a, and a way to take in those customers but I, I, I try to encourage makers especially if they're new and, and they're doing quality work but they're they're struggling to get um, kind of like the, the the value or get get the money they they deserve for the quality of work they're doing i encourage them to find a retailer that fits them there are a lot of retailers now um and and i don't think it's a bad way to start really and yeah you're you're losing again like upwards of a 30 percent cut of what you would normally get but um the, to help that that person basically it's again it's you're paying for cross promotion and advertising that person's helping yeah. to get your name out there to the right people um who and like like places like blade gallery like they have they they have thousands and thousands of the highest high-end collectors getting a hold of them every day to see you know what's new in the shop or every week what's new in the shop what's what's cool what's interesting um, because they, they're real deal collectors and those, you know, those would be the people that I think if there wasn't social media anymore, you'd really have to heavily rely on, rely on a lot more. Yeah. With yeah. there's, there's yeah. one thing we're also not pointing out uh, the, when we're talking about the commission that the, uh, the space is give is giving you or taking. I've been, the last mm -hmm. time I was in a shop, I was in this kind of hipster place that had like, you know, nice clothes and. You know, it was very Brooklyn oriented and they didn't have any other knife makers. They had a guy who was making oyster knives and then they had a couple of my knives in there. And I just, I liked the owner. I knew the owner from back in the day in the, in the city and it was very, it was hip and it was like, there wasn't any, there wasn't any uh, competition. I wasn't really worried about like, well, I'm, why would I put my knives in here? You got 10 other guys doing the same thing. And it was great. And they had a good online presence. They had a great retail store. It was very, very like. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll give them three knives and we'll see what happens. I mean, I'd go in there and it, I'd go in there every six months and hey, we're doing nothing. Were, nothing was happening. You know, it was, mm. it was legitimately people were coming in, they were looking at stuff and they were not buying anything. And it wasn't, a, and I don't know, I was like, is it the knives? And then it got to the point where I was like, I'm not going in there anymore. What am I going to do? Get depressed because these, 
you know, these small, inexpensive knives weren't moving. I'm not, you know, they're not calling me up saying where, you know, I'm not calling them up saying, how's it going? Because, you know, they're dealing with like everything else with yeah. their flannel jackets and they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, there is, you know, very like urban outfittery kind of cool shit. And I was just like, this sucks. I'm not doing this anymore. And it was like, okay, I'll, I'll take my 30%, you know, take the 30%. But at the same time, it's like, if it's sitting on the, if it's sitting on the counter, with no competition yeah. whatsoever, and you're not moving it. The, the retail guy isn't like saying, "Oh, baby, you should buy this knife. This knife would be great." You know, it's just sitting there collecting dust. It's just like, "Fuck that! I don't want to do that." Mm. You got to choose carefully. Yeah, this is all very yeah. sort of doomsday. This isn't it? It's like you know, everybody's server goes down. There's no social media, and you know how we're going to cope. But uh, you know, I think it's it's worth giving it some thought at least. That you know, if if these things didn't exist, how? But we're creating we, something. Go ahead. We're create. We're all making something. It's very approachable in terms of size. These aren't boats. These aren't decks for your side of your house, you know. So you're able to kind of market towards a customer who might have the disposable income for something that they can buy and then put it in their in their in their cabinet or whatever in their yeah. in their drawer. Sometimes yeah. it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I love the idea that you ask, well, what would we do if if uh, if this happens? I know that um Josh Scott, I'm going to make jokes about Josh. Josh is a good dude, smart dude. And he just recently <clears throat> put out his information saying, if Instagram, you know, shits the bed, here's how you can get a hold of me. And at first I thought, well, that's very doom and gloom. I thought, you know what? It's good for him. Hmm. He's smart because he's just like, he, at least he's thinking about it because, you know, you never know. Yeah, never know. Never know. Let's cheer things hmm. up a little bit. <laughs> it's all doom and gloom here. <laughs> um I've got. I'm getting a new shop, so it's it's a barn next to my house, the new house, um, and the shop is going to be twenty three foot by twenty seven foot. Which I've just done a quick calculation. I think that's around sort of five by eight. Um, but it, there's it's a massive high ceiling, so there's a chance I could have a mezzanine there as well, or um, a second floor even. How would you go about setting up from scratch your ideal workshop? I've been given this, I've made sketches, I've given this so much thought, and I, I'm itching sure. to get in, I can't wait. What, what's your ideal sh shop? And we're talking sort of five by eight with a possibility of a mezzanine. Oh, so we have, it had five, five feet by eight feet? No, oh, 23 meters. foot. Same meters. Oh. 23 <laughs> foot by 27 foot, which is five meters by eight meters, ish, ish. What would you do? Are you going to have separate rooms? Are you going to have one big open space? Yeah. How, I mean, how that's basically the size of the shop I'm in right now. Oh, right. Okay. okay. And, and I'm so thankful that I have an isolated grinding room um, to help kind of contain the dust as well as a the airflow that helps cycle air through and out. So so that there uh, so that any of that dust doesn't just want to float out into the rest of the space. Um I, because you have your your laser engravers and your CNC machine, I would I would probably assume you would want to have, or at least not maybe not necessarily for your CNC, um, but for the laser to have a clean room, a dust free room or isolated space, um, maybe like large enough that you can sit down and have a workbench and a desk or, or whatever, and do other kind of small clean tasks or where you tidy up the knives or package them up or something like that. Um, yeah, that also stays very dust free. But otherwise, there otherwise the way I have the rest of my shop is open to everything else. 
but the, mm. I, the grinding room's definitely isolated. Eventually, I'm looking to get the kind of my my quote unquote office space, which isn't going to be very big, but um, have that isolated too, just so that it's easy to easier to keep heated as well. If I want to have a, a warm space to pop into, uh, it's yeah. nice to have so, have that for sure. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to have separate sort of areas. Um, but yeah, with regards to dirty and clean, there will be sort of two rooms kind of thing. J- Jeff, if you've got any thoughts, if you had to design yours from the ground up, how you change things, how how it would look. I guess I guess I would probably have to. Uh, the only difference, I if I were to change my shop now, I would have. I think you guys are a thousand percent right. Is to separate out the um, the grinding room, having like a a, a much cleaner area outside i'm i'm, I'm mm. cleaning up i'm cleaning up dust on places i'm just like why is this over here and there's no the the dust kind of picks up a little bit too much that's the one part about my shop that i've, I've just kind of like given up on um, yeah. but if i could if i could separate out and have i'd have more light i'd have more light more natural light i like natural light kind of is much better for me um yeah. but uh definitely cleaning up a cleaning up the grinding room that huge mm. So, so I'll tell you my thoughts, and you could, you two can pick holes in it, or maybe give me su- some suggestions before I commit to anything. So, um, five by eight split straight down the middle. Um, so there's there's one entrance in which takes you into a the clean side, if you like. On the on the partition wall between the two rooms, there's there's a door, and and it's actually a glass wall as well, so you can all see into the workshop or into the dirty room from the clean room, and vice versa. So the the dirty room is all matte black, um, and it's got one wall full of um, glass anyway. So it's going to be lots of light coming in, um, and in there are going to be obviously grinders, um, drill presses, bandsaws, anything that makes any sort of mess. So that's on the one side. Then through the glass wall, then this it's just going to be completely white studio um, where I'll have podcasting area. I'll have a photography area for, you know, for product shots, that kind of thing. There'll be a sofa. There'll be, you know, somewhere to be, you know, be a bit more relaxed. Um, and there'll be like a shipping area with all the shipping stuff all always set up. So there's, you know, not having to drag boxes out and blow all the dust off it. So everything's always ready. So the idea is completely clean, almost sterile through the glass partition into the dirty area. But then um, separately, so... Be given a lot of thought how I'm gonna you know, moving forward with this opportunity for new space, how it may sort of change the business. And I've been doing a lot of work with sort of plastics and grinding plastics is the worst. Trying to get scratches out of it and so on. It's 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 horrible, horrible work and grinding because it always heats up and it melts and so on. So I wanna do a bit more sort of CNC and so I'm gonna get a big CNC mail. Um and the only thing that I'm missing then to be completely self contained here is is um a cutter so whether it be a laser cutter or a plasma cutter to cut you know to cut my own blanks because that's the only thing that i sort of outsource at the moment so i'm thinking with the mezzanine because it's really really high ceilings like um i'd say probably 20 maybe 25 foot really really high so i could easily have another floor so i think i can have a staircase going up from the clean part into a cutting room um where i can have cnc to cut all handles um, and I can have, it probably wouldn't be a laser cutter, it would probably be a plasma cutter then to cut blanks. So I think within those three areas, there's the dirty area for grinding, dust, there's a cutting area, which is 
generally going to be more fumes than anything else. Obviously, a little bit of dust, but mainly fumes. And then the completely sterile sort of white room, um, which, you know, finished knives come to and I can, you know, package them up and all the rest, take the photographs, package them up and all that kind of thing. That's, mm. I think that's my dream shop. And I think it's all sort of doable in that space. And I'm, I'm just waiting for you two guys to sort of tell me I'm wrong or, you know, say yeah you're doing the right thing you do <laughs> i need someone to, someone to sort of back is, me up I is suppose. it going to be hard to get all that heavy stuff upstairs well i'll be building it it's just one big empty void at the moment oh, okay. so i'll be i'll be i'll be building it as as it's happening you know so i you know with regards to let's say it's a plasma table you know it, it depends what what if it's like a langway systems one that you know that they, they come apart they can, right. they can be shifted right, with the right, stairs right, not, right. not too Hmm. too uh, difficult my only thing is i had my first welding shop i had a couch just because i thought yeah this is going to be the place where i sit down big mm. mistake i i am really? totally against couches and shops I, okay. it's, it's for this for my personal reason this isn't a place for relaxing you get too comfortable what do you i actually had <laughs> my, my first shop in greenpoint that i had with my uh my uh, college roommate uh, jamie montgomery we built a small office and uh, part of it is we had to build it high up, like two feet up off the ground, because the um, the river would come in when when the when the when the water would come up. And we started to, and it was too small for it. We put a couch in there and a refrigerator in there, and we had a stereo in there, and it was like the clubhouse. It was such a miss. <laughs> it was such a mismanage of space. And, it, yeah. and then all of a sudden, it was like they would the couch would get dirty, and then we ended up having a uh, a, a cat give birth to her kittens. Oh, on the fucking Christ. couch so Jesus. it was just like we're not doing that i mean the couch was you know that was oh, it it's mean, it like no more couches and shops i don't, I, I hate uh, any kind of cushions no cushions anything that can get dirty soft or comfortable disgusting You'd be get... so my idea is i spend a lot of time on um, your back uh, on my back um so a designer you know on a screen <laughs> um and i think going forward i think that's going to um, more of my time is going to be spent doing that, I think, going forward. So the idea is, yeah, a comfortable sort of almost office environment in in one corner, you know, where I can I can go, I can be comfortable, I can spend the time I need to, to you know, for for designs and all the rest of it. That's that's the thought. Sure. Um, yeah, that's the thought. My 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 thoughts on that is, if you do think that you might build a mezzanine or a loft, maybe make the loft your clean space. I've I've always found that um, having some sort of intermediary area that you walk into the shop into, so you can either decide to go upstairs to the clean area or go off through the door into the dirty area, and just have kind of like not necessarily like a foyer, but just like a, an intermediate space that. Hmm that gives you an option to go to one or the other versus walking through the dirty area into the clean area, you know? Ah, okay. Um, Separate entrances to each almost. Okay. And I do like, <laughs> I actually, I like the idea of it being a clubhouse in a way. Cause it may, I mean, it makes sense, especially with all the design work that you do, that you do have something like that in there. Mm. Um, I, th but uh, yeah, I would, I would suggest putting it up in the, up in the mezzanine or or loft space and that way you don't have to worry about the idea of taking a, a laser cutter or whatever up upstairs or figuring out how to build the loft sturdy enough to hold all that weight or whatever but that way it's just down on the ground floor no matter what and if you have, decide sense, you want to move yeah. things around it's not a nightmare um 
but I, I think, think having, too that, good. having that intermediate space would be a good addition. But yeah, I think I think you're you're giving yourself too much comfort. I think you need a little. <laughs> I think I think too much comforts. I don't think that that's. I'm against too much comfort. For me, I mean, for you, if you you do whatever the hell you want, I I yeah. totally like. I mean, I have like an office desk. I refuse to put a chair there. You know, and I have it high Jesus so I can stand Christ. there. If I have it's high enough so it's I like stand there. It's like some communist factory. No, no. I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? Has Tony got a webcam on you, watching you no, all the time no. to make sure you've been 100%. He had couches in the office. When we had our office, he had couches in that office. It was super comfortable because it was meant to be for when we had cooks come in, we would be able to. There was It was very relaxed. But for, for a shop, I don't, I think that we create these concepts of it's, I don't, I hate, 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 hate this concept of the man cave. I think it's goofy. If you're going to have a place to watch the fucking TV and fool around and be, drink a beer and be comfortable, just have that room. But I don't feel, I feel like this is a place of business and I, I don't really want to be caught taking naps in my shop. You know, it's like, what are you doing? I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm fine. No one's, no one's catching me taking a nap. It, it, you should, you should, <laughs> you're catching you taking a nap. Do you, do you take naps in your shop? Oh God, no, no, no! I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You sure, but I, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent sure. Um, but I I just I don't know. I think I'm 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 very fortunate to have you know the, the chance to sort of build this from the ground up. And I was thinking, you know, my ideal space. What would that be? And that's what I'm giving a lot of thought to. So. Um, I'm gonna be really cheesy and say, "Hey, listeners, any ideas for your ideal space? Please let me know." But um, yeah, it's it's a difficult one because you know I'm gonna to need to commit at some point. And once you commit, you don't want you know three months down the line go like, "Oh, I wish I I hadn't done it that way, or I wish I'd done that." You know. There you go. Good problem to have. What's your fa- What's your favorite shop space? <laughs> Shopspaces.com, where you can go on and you can have a sort of look around other people's shops. There you go. That, that I tell you what, that that would. <laughs> I'd spend a lot of time on that, on my sofa, lying down instead of working. And burping. Telling you. <laughs> People want to see my shop all the time. They, they, when I go on Instagram, create a tour of the shop, and I'm just like, I don't want, mm. you don't want to see. Don't worry about that. I don't, I'm not interested. Yeah. It's like, it's boring. I very rarely do Instagram lives, but whenever I do, somebody always says shop tour to a shop tour. And it's like, well, not really much to see, you know? Hmm. So shall we take some listener questions? Hey, man, can I ask you a question? And if you've got any questions for us, um, don't DM us, you know, at our personal accounts. You can always contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. It's that easy. It really is. So the first one is from Taylor Walker. Um, he said, hello, you wonderful humans. So I had a batch of knives cut via a water jet. The steel is 440C stainless. The blanks arrived with a layer of mill scale. In hindsight, it probably uh, would have been better to get them cut by someone who can also grind them. So he says, what's my best option for removing the mill scale if I didn't have a surface grinder? Flat platen and a big magnet. Obviously, the smart thing to do would be to pick up a Broadback Ironworks grinder and surface grinder attachment. He's right. He's absolutely right. And he says, thanks, fellas. <laughs> so, you know what? This is what I've been doing this week. This is the situation I found myself in. So I've got a bunch of blanks uh, cut. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's mill scale on there, but the... the the, the flats aren't the best. There's little scratches and all sorts on it. So I'm having to do pretty much what this guy is, is doing. Um, and I am waiting for, my, funny enough, for my Broadback Ironworks um, surface grinder because that would make things so, so much easier. Um, but I don't have it. So I'm doing pretty much what he's saying, flat platen and a big magnet. 
Um, and I know people can say, oh, you're not going to be a hundred percent flat. And it's like, I know, I know I'm doing what I can. Um, but when, uh, once they've been heat treated, hopefully that service grinder will be here then and I can just quickly zip them on that. Mm. But it's, yeah, I mean, I, I've had stuff like water jet cut and laser cut from a bunch of different people now. Um, and sometimes they come and the, and the finish is like perfect on them. You know, you can, you can, it's a really nice finish, but sometimes they are full of mill scale or they are full of scratches and it's a real ball ache because it's mm. like, oh, there's all this extra work, like prep work I need to do now, which I wouldn't have to do if it was if it was good. What would you guys do? What's your suggestions? I I like the mill scale. I mean, I keep the mill. I like 440C because a lot of times I like the mill scale. I like the transition between the mill scale to the, uh, the, the ground steel. You do, yeah. You know, that's it's a like... feature, not a bug. I love it. I I think it's yeah. part of I think it's part of what makes 440C really nice. A lot of times, I mean, AEBL doesn't usually have really super, you know, you know, it's 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 much more uh, clean. But I like the mm. 440C. If I were to take it off, I would definitely push the platen out past the wheels, and then just yeah. a little bit, yeah. just enough so you're not touching the top roller of your slack belt. Um. And then maybe, I don't know, fastest ways might be, maybe, I hate to say it, maybe right angle grinder. Start, do the hard, mm. heavy lifting with the right angle grinder. And what a lot of people do with the right angle grinder incorrectly is they're, they're moving their arms. You're supposed to be moving your hips. If you, hold your, if you hold your grinder with two hands and you move your, if you move your waist, you're getting a much more flat. Uh, Sounds like the Macarena. No, I, this I, when you I was in a metal shop, I had to learn how to. We had to learn. <laughs> I had to learn how to <laughs> proper. <laughs> Are you going with the macaroni joke? Macaroni joke. You had to. We were we were feathering when we were doing um, uh, well uh, grinding welds, especially with tubing that had rounded you know rounded corners and stuff like that. We had to you know use the red angle grinders, and you don't have that much room. So when I, the tips that I was using was you don't just move your hands all the time. You have to kind of like. You're almost like wiggling a little bit, and you're keeping the mm. disc flat because if you angle your grinder, you end up. That's how you make dips if you're just you know using the point of it. So, I, I mean, I guess if I had to take all the mill scale off a pile of them, what I try to do is do the heavy lifting with a right angle grinder and then clean them up on the on the platen. But I don't want to do any of that, mm. you know. Yeah, mm. I I don't have the notes in front of me because i'm using my phone as a hotspot because i'm having issues with the wi-fi right now but is he talking about grinding the material before or after the the water jet cutting or, or whatever he wants the mill scale gone so i would imagine he yeah. gets them just come back from being cut right. he's got these blanks and they're just okay. full of mill scale now yeah uh, okay so they've been cut so i'm guessing they're still then full thickness even down at the edge yeah, they haven't yeah. had. Yeah, they haven't no, been grounded he's at all. Them just cut out. I would just, yeah, you know, I mean, this might be a great opportunity to practice your flat grinding, and just grind it as though you're gonna grind the blade, but grind off the mill scale. Um, you know, going perpendicular to your belt, it's gonna grind more aggressively, and you'll get through that a lot quicker. Um, but then I would definitely, especially at the tang where it transitions to the blade, I would then turn it vertically. And like Jeff said, you know, bump it out in front of those top and bottom, uh, your platen in front of those top and bottom idle wheels, uh, just the slightest bit, you know, maybe a sixteenth of an inch or one millimeter, just to make sure that as you grind kind of vertically, you're not hitting that, uh, hitting either of those. Uh, but I think I, you know, I've used yeah. a magnet to, 
to grind vertically on uh, grinding tangs or grinding uh, stock clean. It, that also works great, but you know you got to have some good belts. You know, does this, we do those magnets belts, really hold? If you have if you have something with not a flat like a like 440C's got a lot of mill scale. If you put like a welding magnet on there, you're getting enough surface area that the magnet holds the knife is even if you're like pushing into it i always i'm always afraid it's going to just slip right through no i mean that's what i've been using this week the beginning part of this week just yeah the the bigger of the if they sort of you know the right angle sort of welding magnets um and yeah Yeah. it's fine you're not putting much pressure on because what i find is there's so much in contact with the abrasive that the heat generates really quickly so you've got to go light anywhere you can't you know just ram it into it Easy, um, but yeah, it, it it will hold enough. Hmm. Yeah, but it's it is tough. It, it is, is tough. Like if if uh, if Craig on his camp knives, Craig on his camp knives, we're we're doing we're taking away we're not taking away the mill scale. You'd really have to get that grind on the money because you, yeah. the transition would be too tough. Would be tough. Exactly. Like yeah. being able to grind the flats allows you to kind of erase any issues, and you're also hmm. you can stop where you're supposed to stop. You know, you're not like it's not like chasing your sideburns, you know, on your when, yeah. you're, when you're shaving your sideburns. <laughs> you know, it's that's the part that I had a real problem with on the uh, when we did the build along was I was I was I was mm. free handing it, and I was like I was not I was I was having a real problem with the um, Scandi grind for that reason. Yeah, and finally, this is a timely question because we, we were talking about this before we went on air, myself and Jeff, because. Um, this is what I've been doing this week, and if if these were um, chef knives with a full flat, it wouldn't matter so much. But because I've been doing this with the camp knives, they have a, a big sort of flat area, um, or, you know, close to the spine because it's like a Scandi grind. So yeah, it it needs yeah. to be needs to be right. So you're right. I mean, a, a surface grinder attachment would make things a million times easier and faster. A million um, times easier. A male, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I've got one on the way, so I, I can't wait to be using it. But um, yeah, if, without one of them, I, I'm afraid my personal recommendation would be, yeah, a flat platen. Make sure you bump it out in front of the wheels, big magnet, and take it easy because you're going to generate loads and loads of heat, unfortunately. Okay, who wants to take the next one? Jay Barry Knives says... Hey, fellas, I hear you talking a lot about a spa day for your knives. How would you go about re-acid etching a blade again when the handle is securely glued on without your handle being introduced to the acid as well? I would think acid would damage most handle materials. Thanks, and love the show. So somebody's, you got a nice knife, it's been acid etched, send it in for a spa day. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, I've never done it because I I never sort of acid etch uh, a blade. But Mareko, you must do that. Yeah, so I mean, especially for an integral, um, I actually I do all of my initially I do all the blade etching with the handle on, um, <clears throat> as as often as I I possibly can, or as long as like you know the customer's cool with having, or, or I guess as long as the customer hasn't specifically. Um, requested that there be no G10 spacer or something there uh, between the the integral bolster transition and the handle. 
uh, I always try to put a, a little G10 spacer in there, even if it's only a 30 thousandths, because what's great is that material is not affected by the acid. And it also creates just a tiny little, like oh. I said, about 30 thousandths of an inch uh, buffer zone that you can paint nail polish on as a resist. I use um, like a clear nail hardener so that there isn't any kind of color in it that um, that might impart uh, color onto the handle material and and I paint that up probably about an inch and a half or so up onto the handle uh, if you need Do you, have you a favorite can color, use favorite shade for that I just said it's clear it's all clear oh, no I colors oh, I don't want listening. any colors you weren't listening you weren't listening <laughs> Pettywinkle blue <laughs> so um, there we go there we go there we go <laughs> um Damage crane. <laughs> That's my train of thought. So, anyways, oh, so I was saying, if you need a resist, or or you need a uh, a mask for the the bolster, so that you can paint a, a straight line of nail polish on without, um, you know, getting up onto the bolster, then I, you know, just use painters tape or electrical tape, um, and then uh, and then you can just kind of clean up. Sometimes it gets on the bolster a little bit after you let it set for even just like a couple minutes. It's usually pretty quick drying. You can use use like a, a wooden stick or, 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 or uh, a popsicle stick to help kind of clean up that area just a little bit and shove shove that off the bolster. But that's that's how I approach my initial etching as well as if I have to go back and re-etch. Like I have I have actually have a knife in the shop right now that I need to re-etch, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. I I have a G10 spacer in there, so that gives me a little bit of a buffer zone, and I'm going to do everything, you know, paint on the resist, have the blade ready to go, and dip it in there. And I don't have to worry about the acid getting onto the handle because the acid will always, even if your handle material is dark, it's always getting onto the, the handle material if you if you leave it exposed. And... You know, while we have our stuff stabilized as much as we possibly can, you know, there's still some porosity to the handle material and that acid is getting in there. And that's not necessarily a great thing. So even if it's black material, unless it's a synthetic, again, if it's synthetic, you basically have nothing to worry about. But if it's any kind of natural material, you want to mask it off always. But if uh, Because it will not only get into the material, but it will also stain that material. Integral might be the easiest style of knife to re-acid etch because it's it's a, sure. it's, a it's just a side it's all you're t you're kind of masking off just the, yeah. the round line. But if you had like a wah style handle or a full tang handle, you're you're you have a lot more masking off to do. And I I would just be worried about like in in my mind yeah. like I've had to I haven't had to acid etch re-acid etch anything. I don't do it that I don't do it to begin with that much anyway but i would be concerned with like a full tang knife or even if i was using you know black g10 i would be worried about the bolt you know the if i use brass corby bolts i'd be worried about those being etched you know so hmm. oh yeah i, yeah, I you definitely yeah, want to be worried I, about brass or copper yeah you, you, you know we'll eat the hell out of it yeah 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 hmm. but i mean i okay. also um, so i would also sure think that i mean I, in my opinion Right, I just I would be worried about like also the the I don't know I that scares the shit out of me if I had to do if I had to re acid etch a full tang knife after after the handles are already on I'm gonna send mm. it to you 
<laughs> well, and because it's you do so mask. much with synthetics, like I, I'm pretty sure your synthetics would, uh, you'd have no problem. You just you would mask off, you know, paint some nail polish over the brass or whatever your fittings are, and then you could you could. It's probably sounds really scary. I get I can almost guarantee nothing's gonna happen. You could drop that whole knife into acid, all the way up to the tank tip of but, the tang. But what about and what about no the glue? Problems. It's gonna be touching well, it's not a getting, bit of the, glue. the glue is resistant to it as well. Is it? As long as you're working with a water resistant glue, you, or epoxy, it's not gonna it's gonna be do the same thing as the nail polish. It's gonna be resistant to the acid. All right. Ah, That's good to know. Andy, good tip. Definitely, definitely going to be, you know, clenching up the old butthole when I do that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean it doesn't hurt to experiment. Throw well, throw one of those uh, shucking it's, knives. Make, speak, a, speak make a little for, Damascus shucking knife. Speak for yourself. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't sound like fun to be at all. It sounds like... <sighs> do that. Trust me. It's scary. I trust you. But you I trust you. But I'm, you gotta... I don't have to. I'm trusting you. I can be scared. I'm going to be scared. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's do uh, one more question. Then we've got um, some dilemmas. We maybe come back to more questions as well. So Bear Valley Forge has asked, Hey, guys, when gluing up handle scales to a full-tang Damascus knife, does the glue hold better if the etch is completely ground away on the tang, or can I get away with just roughing, roughing up the tang with sandpaper? And again, thanks for all your tips. So um, let, me, let me unpack this. So uh, gluing up handle scales, full tang Damascus. He's basically saying, should he get rid of the etch, um, or is you know is it okay with the etch? Um, I, again, not doing Damascus. I'm I'm stepping out of this one. D Jeff, what are your I, thoughts? On I that? would think I would think. I mean, I've I've done a couple. I would think that the more like nooks and crannies you can get in there, the better. Mm, yeah. You know, that's why I still I still yeah. drill holes. I drill holes in the handle just so the epoxy has like, you know, like gets, gets in as much as possible. I would think mm -hmm. that, I mean, I don't know. Mareko's, Mareko's the guy to ask. I would think that it, that it would be, you know, beneficial to have the, uh, the, uh, the etched, you know, the topographical properties of etched Damascus. I would think that would be beneficial. Yeah, I agree. I, I would, I would think that was beneficial as well. Um, so, uh, if anything, you might clean off any oxides, uh, underneath the handle, just because that's, you know, if the glue bonds to that instead of the steel, then that's not really doing you any benefits. But ideally you are using some sort of Corby bolt or some sort of fittings, some sort of mechanical fasteners that help hold those, those, uh, those scales on. And honestly, you know, that's going to be doing, those are going to be doing a lot more for you than I, I don't, I, I wouldn't, uh, or as well as those pass-through holes, um, then just the glue on the surface, the flat surface of the material. I would be curious to see how well handle scales hold on to a tank, like just a flat piece, clean, flat piece of steel without any kind of fasteners. And then obviously <laughs> you throw a Corby bolt on there, like it's bolted on, right? Right. So I wouldn't be too overly concerned about it you know and thinking back to when i worked for bob kramer i'm i'm 100 sure when he was when we were uh doing the blades he'd etch the blade we'd put all the handle material on everything and it would still be 
you, there's some topography to the blade and just like you're saying jeff like i think those little all that texture that tooth that gives the epoxy somewhere to grab onto that's that's only going to benefit you rather than hinder you cool okay um right we've got a new bet well it's not a new bet but we, we got a new <laughs> a new uh jingle for it things that make you go hmm. <laughs> fucking guy <laughs> old school cnc music factory well we're yes. in, we're in dilemma time ladies and germs we're uh this is where you can ask send us a message of asking us a dilemma not just a question but what do you do things that make you go hmm that's old school hmm. for you some of you some of you some of you guys are still sucking on a titty when they put that on the arsenio hall show right <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. Arsenio Hall, where were you? All right, so the first one comes from... That's the dog pound. That's very good. Old school. All right, so... Gentry Custom Knives says, I have a dilemma for you guys. I received a knife order from a customer, and I always take a $50 deposit to hold the spot in the order book. I finished the customer's knife on time, and let them know that it was I let him know that it was ready. They responded by saying that they were in a car crash or something along those lines and would pay for it next week. A couple weeks go by and I asked and they um if they would like me to give them their deposit back and I'll sell the knife to somebody else and no big deal. I totally understand uh, not wanting to pay for a custom knife with a bunch of hospital bills but no response. After a few more attempts to reach them, still no response. It's been about 6 weeks now. Thoughts? Hmm. Things that make you go. Hmm. hmm. I think they don't have any responsibility to that customer anymore. Especially no. with, I mean, it sounds shitty, but they're not responding. So, I mean, and you're trying to run a business and he's obviously done his due diligence. And so I think if a customer wouldn't understand why he ended up selling the knife and just gave him a deposit back, that, that doesn't make sense to me at all. I mean, the guy's trying to run a business. Wow. I, I think he doesn't he's done his due diligence. He's he's not responsible. But he should send the money back to that customer anymore. Oh, for yeah, sure. send the money back. He, yeah. He's done the right thing. Right. 50 I think, bucks. Yeah. Not much of a dilemma. I actually just recently had uh I had uh what we're now <laughs> referring to. You know you know uh Adam Balkovic uh of uh Built Sharp. He, Built Sharp. He and I yeah. were talking uh off offline and uh he referred to someone as being a time vampire. You know what a time vampire is? That person is emails sucks away emails time, and yeah. emails and emails and nothing gets out of it they just want your time and he, i was really really interested about it because we've had a couple customers who are time vampires they just like hmm. back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and you almost get the feeling like it's going to be a problem and uh we recently had one and you know it was a it was it was i got the feeling and i had talked to uh i talked to my uh, tony about it and i thought you know i got a feeling that this is going to end up not happening or you know he ended up buying the knife and then we just recently he asked for the deposit back because you know something happened something came up and we we kind of felt it coming on you know there's there's some people that you can kind of if you've done it enough times you get the feeling of like all right here's a person who who might be on the difficult side so we give him the money yeah. back yeah. it's it's and it wasn't even that i mean regardless it's not like for i didn't we didn't ask we didn't you know there was no like oh what's the problem it was like all right give him the money back no problem but i i think it's i think you got to get to the point where i would if i was if i was you uh gentry i would just send them send the dudes money back you know you got his address 
50 bucks in the in the mail and then be done with yeah i I'd do what i'd maybe do is uh, you've obviously sent one message already just send another with with like a deadline just saying if i don't hear back from you by you know a week friday or whatever whatever date that may be um just say you know i'll, I'll refund you and i'll and i'll move on um because sometimes i think if people have a deadline like that it could sort of you know it, it could be something completely innocent that maybe it's going to their spam or something like that and if so you can't help it sure. but yeah just give them a deadline and then you know when that date comes you can refund them and you got completely clear conscience going forward resell the night. spam thing is a real thing that's like i've had like <sighs> terrible it's it's some people i've had like emails back and forth and emails or not emails back and forth they send emails and emails and emails and then someone will say hey um uh, any word on the th- on the on what's going on i'm just like i sent you like six emails mm. and oh let me check my spam yeah. folder i'm like oh you're right all of them were right there on time i was like that yeah. gave me a heart attack god damn it I've had it this week where, well, funny enough, and and you guys were on the on in the email. So I sent um, to all the hosts of the the guys on the Makery Network, um, and I didn't receive any reply. And I was like, "This hasn't sent." So that's when I checked checked with you, Jeff, and you said, "No, we haven't received an email." And it's like, Ugh, having to resend it and hope it gets through. And I know it did now, but yeah, mm. it's it's always a worry that that because it's something you can't really control. And <sighs> I wish I hadn't I gotten your email. <laughs> wow. You were, you were. You know, I was the butt of your joke. Generally, <laughs> it was. Yeah. It, the email was, "Dear gentlemen and Jeff," it was very. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm your, I'm your, I'm your. So there you go. So, so just send them the money. You know what? Just send them the money, and I would send them the money and say, "Look, I know things are tough. Good luck with everything. When you're ready for another one, we can do it again." And that'd be the end of it. You know, just yeah. you know, yeah. give them the money back. No hard feelings. Yeah. Exactly. It's not, yeah, it's not a bad thing at all. Here comes an anonymous dilemma. Things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, this is an anonymous dilemma. <laughs> an, the anonymous person says, I have been approached to make blades only for another maker. He wants me to make the blades of his design, and he will make the handles. He wants me to put my mark on the blades, and he will add his own. But if I'm not finishing the knife, I don't want to warranty it. Am I wrong for not wanting to make the blades for someone else to put their name on it? Or should I shut up and take the money? Love the show. That's a fucking good one. Hmm. Jeez, that hmm. is a good one. Um, I suppose it depends whether um, the money would be you know, significant to you and whether, whether you know, it, would, it would help out a lot. I think if you're worried that the work isn't going to be up to standard, you know, alarm bell should be ringing now. Um, rather than later, but you know, I understand. You know, some you know, if you need the money, you need the money. Um, and if that was the case, I I wouldn't have any issue with not putting my name on it at all. Um, if I was worried about the you know the end quality, just you know, you yeah. just be a supplier, and you know, to not you know, nobody needs to know that even your knives. I, I suppose. I think that the that that's the one part like they want his name on it. I think that that's ah, like they do want. So they're trying to leverage value to name. that. Okay. I don't. You don't know. We're speculating yeah. now. You don't know, but it's like, you know, I I'm a, I don't like doing collaborations. I got something in the lines with Tomer, but that's about it. And I just in general, yeah. he's a friend of mine. You know, I know him, and you know, I, we spent time together. He's my friend, and I'm going to do it with him. But I don't like. I don't like. I'm not. I'm not into it. I'm not into it at all. Yeah. It's weird. Hmm. He, he, that I think Mareko's right. He's trying to sort of leverage leverage your name then. Um, and if that's the case, but if you're you don't unsure know. of th- what, 
the quality will be like maybe step away if if you can you know it's it's easy for us to say just step away but if there's a chunk of money on the table it's it's not always that easy um you just got to be have that frank conversation with them and say look if if <laughs> wow yeah. this one really got you hmm. huh? this one got you hmm. <laughs> i i just think that it's a difficult i one. think that sometimes i think that there's i i listen to who did i listen to i listen to uh brian house from um make um work for it podcast he's a good dude yeah. good and talking about collabs i'm actually in, I'm starting a collab with brian too are you way. well he he was he told me something that he said on this podcast was very interesting i didn't know this that a lot of YouTubers do a lot of collaborations and it's beneficial to both to do them. I didn't realize that it was mm. beneficial, but I know that Tyler Bell just did something to Alex, uh, Alec and, um, and, and Will. I know Brian does a, a few collabs with a few different people and in that world, it's beneficial. But like, I come from the art background where I don't want to collaborate with someone. Like, I don't, I don't really want to have, I don't really, I want to, I do have probably do have control issues in regards to what I want out there. And if I feel like it's just like substandard or not, not even substandard, it could be not the way I would do it. You know, mm. I remember talking yeah. to uh, Jonathan Porter and he was ta- telling me one of the, this is the, this is the first time I ever talked to him on, on Instagram live years ago. I said, what's the one big thing that people are take people are not you know paying attention to. And he goes, you need to grind the Corby bolts when you're finishing your handles, you got to take away those two twenty scratches. And I thought to myself, I was like, boy, that's a good one. And it's like, if I handed over a knife to someone and, and all of a sudden I saw that 220 scratch that I would, I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't have left. I would have been like, it's just not the way I would do it. You know, it, it is, it is something that like, you just want, you want them the way you want them. Yeah. If you don't have full control, it can, it can be difficult. But like I said, it's easy for us to say, you know, step away from it if if you yeah. if you're not happy. But if there's a chunk of money and it's still... I would probably do hmm. let's do it, but don't put my name on it. Right. Okay. Your design. Okay. I'm just making the profile, grinding the knife, heat treating the knife, and then it's your design, your handle, your finishing, then it's really not mine. I mean I don't get if yeah. I get something laser yeah. cut uh, water jet cut from New Jersey Steel Baron, I'm not putting their I'm not putting their maker's mark on my knives yeah yeah true true what what do you think yeah. have you done many collabs yourself anyway um not really um i i've i have thoughts of doing them for the future but i haven't really done any right right yet um yeah, yeah and i you know going back to depending on or sorry struggling right now uh the the amount of work or so it sounds like the guy uh whoever this anonymous person is all they're doing is do the profile and a and a flat grind if if it's not a special grind if it's a grind that the guy could have done in himself in the first place he's just paying this anonymous person to do it then there's no reason why he would feel an uh, need to feel an obligation to put his name on it um do you, you know it do you get the f- sense that he's not going to get paid? I don't think if he doesn't would, put his name on it. It would be it would be ridiculous to speculate any nefariousness in regards to this. This is just like maybe this guy has been been approached and then he wants, you know, somebody's I've done it before, maybe you'd like to do it with me and here's how I do it. 
and then you you sure. I would be it would be a little bit it would be a little bit difficult to to speculate that anything nefarious other than maybe the 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 second guy doesn't have a heat treating oven maybe he doesn't know how to grind maybe he knows how to do yeah. a handle maybe he's a woodworker and he does the woodwork and he knows how to like you know sharpen a knife mm. and maybe that's the reason why i mean there's a million different reasons why but it's just yeah. a question of whether or not you feel comfortable right. collaborating with someone or not you know i don't think i don't really mm. you know yeah and the, I, I think if you're going to do a collaboration or if i'm going to do a collaboration i have to be super confident that whoever i'm working with or collaborating with really knows what the hell they're doing especially if i send a knife to them that hasn't even been heat treated um, I need to know that they're, they know, they have the equipment, they know what they're doing. I've seen, you know, that their work is reputable or if say I do the I forge the blade and I heat treat the blade, but they're going to grind it the way they want to grind it. Like it, do I want my, my Damascus work and my forging work tied to however that person ultimately grinds the knives and stuff like, like it, it's, it, yeah, I, it comes down to, yeah, your comfort and confidence level hmm. in that other person. Hmm. I just don't want to do. So. I just don't want to be involved. Because he, the point that he's worried about, is if somebody says, "Oh, can you f take care of this?" and then he's the one who's got a, you know, he's on the hook for the, you know, warranty. You know, he's on the if something yeah. fucks up, he's on the hook for that stuff. And it's just like, hmm. I don't want that either. Well, then he needs. Hmm. I he think needs personally, to put, alarm bells put together a contract. In, I, I wouldn't. Contract. Yeah. I mean, mm. these are guys in their in their garages. <laughs> what are you gonna are you gonna call Salino well, and Barnes? And, well, <laughs> but if you're the one that says that people need to take it more seriously as a business, yeah, hundred percent. That's why I don't. That's why I don't do that. That's why well, I don't. I like I'll get people, myself. It's in like fabrication work. It's just fabrication work right now. So if he's gonna do that, you have a job contract, and you say, "I'm not liable for anything that happens beyond this point." beyond the spec of the work that i'm saying that i'm doing right it, i think you're, i think you. that it makes a lot of sense i just i mm. i bypass all that and just say i don't do that you know i i yeah. i stand behind my work and that's it you know somebody's got a problem with I, well that's I fair but some people might be in a position where they this... need that work a hundred percent but i think if alarm bells yeah. are ringing at this early stage i think if you can avoid it by any means do so do so yeah i mean obviously sure. he feels he feels like you know uncomfortable about certain situations it is a dilemma yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. you know I, I i just mentioned a collab i've got coming up with brian house um which i think is gonna be quite cool but i've also got a second collab which i, I just remembered where i read that we sorted out yesterday do you remember uh, from the show young very young charlie of the groovy girls 2019 oh, yeah. Young Knife Maker of the Year. Yes. We got a collab coming out. Really? A super cool collab. Yes. I can't wait to share some pictures. Yeah. Good. It's going to be cool. That's exciting. I got... Yes. I got one... Shall we... Sorry. Pardon go me. on. I didn't finish. I, th I thought you were you. done. I'm sorry. No, go on. After you. I, pro <laughs> I promise. I'll no, keep going. I want to hear about it. You can't tell us any more <laughs> about the collab? Um, not, not really, not really. All I will say is that, um, th so Matt Coates is, is, is her father and he's had her in the shop and they've been making stuff. They've, they've gone through a bit of a hard time. So we're, we're working together on something sure. that's really, really cool. So she makes these most beautiful, um, looms. Um, you know, the kids make these looms bracelet things. 
Um, and she took a shine into this pink knife that I've just made, which it has the flowers and the butterflies and so on on it. So I'm I'm making a, a small knife and engraving it with her, and she's gonna handle it with her put a handle on with her special looms. So they're gonna, it's gonna oh, be super cool. cool. Look at you, yeah, man of the people. You're a man <laughs> of the people. What a nice guy. Well, it's it's something different, yeah, isn't it's it? It's very nice. Do we have any more? We'd have one more if you want. Things that make you go, hmm. Okay. <laughs> Here's the question, guys. Do you stay in a job? This comes from Tom Scott. Do you stay in a job that you really enjoy for pretty okay money and reasonable flexibility and benefits? Or take a job that's a lot less flexible, a lot more money, and you would enjoy less? In mind, to raising a family and being comfortable in the long term. I'm interested in hearing the two wise men's thoughts and faders too, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I've done plenty of B and I'm now doing A. Okay, so you you made the um, you made the money and now you you now you Well I wouldn't say made the money, but I, I did a lot of jobs that I I didn't particularly enjoy and I, you know, I hated just because it was bringing in in, in money and um now I'm doing a job which I love to do. It gives me far more flexibility. Um, and, you know, if you work at it long and hard enough, you will make enough to, you know, to, to bring in enough money that you need, put it that way. Um, I, I think so many people, you know, they've got this thing about one day I'll retire and everything's going to be great. But, you know, that one day may never come. And it's easy, it's easy to say, you know, to say that if if you've got your bills covered, that kind of thing. You know, and some people obviously are struggling, particularly at the moment, people are struggling. Um, but I just think if there's any way you can do what you love to do, you know, pursue that hard. That's all I'm saying. Cool. I agree. It was very Gary V then, wasn't it? Yes. Very Gary V message that was. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. If at, at this point in time... I really feel like, I mean, I'm in, in terms of like what I'm doing, um, I love what I'm doing. I would like to make more money for my family. And that's why I work as hard as I do and try to like focus on doing more and more and more. I'm in the position now where I need to push as hard as I can to make it better. But if I were in, you know, if I were not doing this and I was like going from job to job, I might very well consider buckling down and taking the job i might not enjoy as much even if it was for just a few for a while i wouldn't you know i'm not you know if you're not locking me to the desk for you know 25 mm. years and i could make my life for my family better i'd strongly consider that i'd strongly consider sacrificing a lot in order for my not having to worry about my kid you know paying for college or being able to give my wife more of a break, I would, I would be, I would make the sacrifice for my family. I suppose the point there is, would they be happier then? Well, I know it's you not being in their life. I don't think happiness is part of the dilemma. I think it's, it's what do you do? Or it is part of the dilemma. It is part of the, part of the equation, but it's like, you know, what do I do? Hmm. I just, I I mean, you know, to be a hundred percent honest, it would be, it would be, you know, you, you say, do what you, you know, life is short and you should do what you want. But if you have a family and you want to provide for them, I think that there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I'd rather, I want to kind of buckle down for the sake of my family 
because you know that's my my not legacy but it's like i want their their happiness is as important to me as everybody else yeah no i I, I do completely get that but i think everybody has something that that they can sort of give they've got something that they can do that other people can't and whether it's a a side hustle or whatever it may be to me the goal should always be to be happy and for your family to be happy and it doesn't necessarily to me always mean money obviously you need a minimum amount to be happy but i think once you've got that minimum amount you know you see these people they're you know they they go into offices every day um but then they're getting brand new cars every year and and then they're, they're going on all these fancy holidays and i'm thinking is that worth you know going to an office and being sad sitting in a little cubicle all day where you know you don't have to have the fancy new cars and you could be much happier you know you got to consider what you're working for that that's what i'm saying well, well uh, it, how you're defining sense. happiness this is also P.S. Little side note. This is dilemmas. If we all agreed on everything, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it wouldn't be much <laughs> oh, yeah, of a I'm fucking dilemma, now, would it? Be, yeah, you know? I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. I want. Yeah. I want to make more money for my family. I wanna. I want to be able to. I want my kid to not have to worry about loans. I want my kid to not worry about her college, you know, loans or whatever she wants to do. I want to be able to say to her. You know, your her first house or for her first car, I can say here. Here's a little bit of help. You know, that isn't very important to me. To the point where I would take on more work or maybe work that I wouldn't necessarily. You know, it might not be fun, but it would allow me to get to the goal of you know being helpful to my immediate family. I don't have a problem mm. with that. Like I'm, you know, what somebody comes up to me back to the last guy. Somebody comes up to me and says, "I'm gonna give you a million dollars to work on this collaboration." And if I knew that, you know, that part of that million dollars would be helpful to my family, I'd strongly consider it. I'll put my fucking name on that shit. I might. You never know. You know. <laughs> I'll put my fucking name on that. My, shit. my that, listen that's... to me. Listen to me. You know, I, I think that a lot of people's happiness is is dependent on their own personal everyday. You know, lying. You like you lying on the couch in the office. I, I, my part of me. <laughs> Can we just get this straight? I'm not lying. <laughs> yeah, you fucking are. You already got the couch and the beer raider up there. You got the, your keg main line to your butt and you're sitting on that couch. I understand. It's fine. My happiness would be, you know, by coming home and my, everyone's in a good mood. Everyone's happy. We don't have the turmoil that we have going on. And, and if I can help to, to help that financially, I'm going to really strongly consider it. Yeah, no, that, that I said, yeah. we don't have to agree. The world would be very sad if we all yeah. agreed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do we have any more? No more dilemmas. We're out of dilemmas. No more dilemmas. Let's go back to some questions. Do you want to take the next yes, one, Yes, I'm going to hop down to uh, Ben Bites. Ben's Bites. Dear Mr. Fader or Lord Fader, whichever respectful title you prefer. That's why you chose that one. Well, okay. no, no, but okay. it, it, it dovetails into what we were talking about last week. I'm relatively I'm a relatively new knife maker and I appreciate that you and your fellow knife talk crew are willing to share your experiences. I appreciated your view on the disc grinder to help finish off your blades before hand sanding. Wouldn't running your grinder horizontally on the long platen give you the same results? Thanks, Ben. The Lord Fader, Mr. Fader thing is an overcorrection, which is fine. I look, I, I just you know, I <clears throat> It's fine. It's, it, I'm, it's humorous. Congratulations. You can call me Jeff. It's fine. Um, 
We were talking last week about the disc grinder, why I use the disc grinder. And the, the idea was I use the disc grinder in order to kind of cut down on the peaks of the grind lines from the 2x72 grinder. So when I'm hand sanding, I'm able to get to the valleys faster. If you don't have a plunge line, if you don't have a plunge line and you don't have a transition between your, the blade and the Ricasso uh, or, or the, you know, the flat, for lack of a better word, you can for sure bump your platen out and then run your line, run your grinder down. If or if you're doing a forged finish on the top and you're not gonna hit the, uh, you're not gonna hit the ricasso of the knife, by all means. But if you're doing a flat grind knife, like hunting knives and stuff like that, sometimes you can't just you know stick it. Sometimes you have you have a transition, you have a plunge line. If you have a plunge line, the grinder won't won't finish off the transition yeah. between the plunge line and the, the knife, it won't finish it off nice. So they're different you, planes. They're different planes, but it's the, it's the, tra- it's the, tra- it's the transition, the transition between, um, the transition between your bevel and your, the Ricasso, the flat of your knife. It, it's the transition. It's the plunge line that you have to worry about. So yes, yeah. if you don't have a plunge line and you have a big old heel and you're only, you know, you're, you're only grinding down, um, you know, the, the, first inch inch and a quarter of the blade 100 percent, just run it down that platen but if you have if you're doing a full flat grind and you have a transition you have to be concerned about that so that's one of the reasons why people have to do the hand sand a lot of people don't do yep. a lot of people don't do it um a lot of people don't do a uh plunge line for that reason on a chef's knife is you can just kind of run it down on a on a whatever yeah i was just thinking actually like for a chopper um, that might be a good call that to turn in the 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 belt grind horizontal because you're not having a transition it's it's, it's going to be you know a straight edge or almost like a straight razor you could you could use that platen to do that all in one hit it would be much faster if you didn't have to hand sand yeah you know if you didn't have yeah. to or if you do you know if you don't if you don't have to deal with that transition you're saving yourself a lot of time i i like i like the pl- i mean I'm not the bull elk knives and the and some of my outdoor knives. I have to have that, that transition um, for the uh, and and the other thing is, is I also want I also want it tight. I want the the scales to be super tight. I don't want a lot. Of, I don't like to fool around too much with the um, the plane of the ricasso or the handle area because I'm afraid of having to like have any gap. I don't want any gap or any, I don't want any like you know weirdness like it. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's take, let's have a look at the list. Sorry, bear with me a second. Um, GD Schmidt four has asked, "Hey guys, love the podcast." Oh geez, we're going into names here. Oh geez, I know that Greg <laughs> uses a laser for everything, but Jeff and Mareko, how do you guys put your logo on your knives? If you use stencils, where do you get them? Um, he says, "I do this just for fun, and I really do enjoy listening to you guys. Very funny couple of hours a week, and a lot of good info." Um, so yeah, stencils, um, well, first of all, do you use stencils or do you, you know, using a, a stamp? Um, and if you are, where are you getting your stencils? You want to take it, Jeff? Uh, I, I used to hand stamp everything and, um, I just found it to be kind of a, you know, it looks good on certain things, but unlike if I'm on a stock removal knife that I'm not, um, forging at all, it's just, it looks fine. It looks fine. Um, I use a company called, I think you, I think you 
got me into them. I think what was it called ILM. No, what was the name of that? IMG. Company? IMG. IMG. They're in New York, and they make stencils, and they make great stencils. Um, they're not that expensive. Yeah. Uh, they're expensive yeah. if you just want one. You know, if you want one knife, it can be expensive. I had a guy who wanted his name engraved, and he wanted to know how much a stencil was, and I told him. He's just like, "Why is it so expensive?" I'm like, "Cause you don't. This is because there's work to be done. It's not. It's not like." You know, blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I mean, um, Craig had uh, had done a video. His favorite video of all time was how he used the brother. <laughs> he used the brother printer maker to make stencils. Remember that? Yeah. So yeah, if you want disposable uh, stencils, um, you can get. There's a brother printer, and um, you hook up to your computer, and you know, like a normal printer, but it prints these labels, and you can get a stencil. Um, label paper um and i'm gonna say it's called ste 151 that's the brand of the stencil paper because i put up a video on youtube and that i get asked that question all the time but what, what's the what's the stencil it's written in the description it's all there but ste 151 you can design it on a computer and they're disposable use them once and throw them away so if you have got you know if you want to do customers names all that kind of thing they work out quite well um the machine is cheap it's, it's like you know 70 dollars that kind of thing um, so, th you know, that could work out. But um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm not sure if you're if you're German with a name like Schmidt. Um, and if so, um, I used to get my, my stencils from a company in Germany, and I can't for the life of me remember who they are. But they were brilliant. They actually make a good electro-etching machine as well, but they also make stencils. Um, so if you are, send me a DM, and I'll, and I'll dig it all out, dig out those details for you. Um, but, yeah, I use the laser now, so it's a slightly different. Which, by the way, Mareko, you, it came you, up great. I, I got that on the, the laser on the um, on the little box cutter. It looks, I mean, it looks great. Oh, right, yeah. It's it's pretty deep, isn't yeah. it? You can really, you know, run your finger in it. Easy, it's, easy yeah, does it. Easy nice. does it. This is a morning show. <laughs> um, Mareko, <laughs> what are you doing? Are you electro-etching or are you hot stamping? What, what, how are you I, I am using an electro-etcher. I'm using the personalizer, just like the super basic personalizer. Um, there's a few different models. Uh, I wish I had a laser. I would love to do that. Um, but yeah, like Jeff was saying, I get my, my stencils from uh, Patricia Bruno at a IMG Electromark. It's their, I think their website is img-electromark.com. Um, she's super helpful. Uh, once she gets the artwork in uh, for your stencil, you know, the initial is like around $40, $50, whatever. But you get a sheet of about, I think, five or six stencils. And for me, the stencils last a really, really long time. Um, mm. And so... Um, and then anytime you need a new, you need to re up, they're like 10 bucks. So it's it, the yeah. big cost is the initial artwork, you know, trans, whatever, whatever you want your, your, your stencil to look like, you know, there's, there's work that goes into making it usable so that then she can make stencils out of it on her computer. But then yeah. once she I has think the they're screen printed, artwork, aren't they? Like, like a t-shirt printer, like a screen printer. I think that's how they make those stencils. Um, so they have like a like a negative, and they put they put the you know emulsion on it, and they put the the, the UV yeah. light, and it burns through. So I, I'm pretty sure that's how they do those stencils. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah, it's like a something like that. When you're doing your Damascus knives, at what stage yeah. do you put your what stage do you put your your stencil on? Oh sure, yeah. It was actually a buddy messaged me and asked me that the other day. Uh, so when I hand sand, I take it up to 600. 
after after 600 that's when i mark the blade and then i go back and i finish with 800 grit strokes um to clean up but and i actually clean up both sides at 800 um, but that way it cleans up the blade as well as cleaning up the mark so it's nice and crisp around the edges and then and you're from going there, very deep i go into you're going very acid. deep with the mark i'm try yeah i try to go pretty deep probably at least 10 maybe 15 thousandths you know deep relative to how deep the etchers will etch but um there's definitely some texture there you can you can run your fingernail over it and definitely grab the edges of the letters and stuff like that so yeah when you um so you take you'll take it to 800 first um sure i'm just wondering what what sandpaper would you use for that i 100 percent always use rhino wet <laughs> made by indasa you I guess it's a Portuguese company, but Indasa USA is our, they're, they're the ones, right? Uh, the ones. If you go, you yeah, if you go to Texas Ferry Supply, you can get yourself some Indasa, uh, some Rhino Wet Redline from them, uh, as well as whatever other knife making needs you have. They have a lot of materials there, but Indasa they got a they got a uh, a discount code. Texas Ferry Supply does. It's Knife Talk ten, and so if you type that in at checkout, you will save ten percent on your Indasa order. I can't remember who the maker was. I saw the other day, but they literally bought. It looked like a dozen sleeves of sandpaper. is incredible. Um, that which it adds up really quick. But with that ten percent, Knife Talk ten at checkout at TexasFerrySupply.com, you're gonna save yourself a bit of cash um, that you can probably just reinvest back into more sandpaper more than anything because yeah. you need it. Big it's savings. an important part of the process for sure. Yeah. And they also sell a lot of other stuff as well. So Texas Forest Supply, lots of stuff for knife makers. Um, and yeah, Knife Talk 10, you're going to get 10% off. So take the saving while you can. And let, let us know as well um, on Instagram. Let us know what, what you're buying from there because it's always good to know people are you know, taking advantage of these savings. It's good for us. Okay, let's take another one here from um, Sir Toons. Hi, guys. Uh, new maker here, just getting into the fun that is knife making. Question for Craig and his sustainable knives. How was it working with the recycled water bottle handles? Uh, did they melt um, much when sanding? Um, and how did they feel in use? I have a business in my town who's a customer of mine. Um, and he goes on about his real job, not being knife making and so on, um, who has a, a unique means of recycling soft plastic, such as bags and wraps, into what they call e-wood. Um, thinking of maybe giving it a go for some scales, but just wondering on your thoughts and experience with plastic scales. Um, again, quite timely, we were talking about this just before we went on air, um, that... Um, I think it makes for a, a great product at the end. It feels great in the hand once it's been buffed, um, but it can be a bit of a nightmare to work with. Um, it can be quite sort of melty um, if you're grinding at, at high grits, um, but it, it really suits itself well to sort of CNC machining, really, really does. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it can be done. Um, scratches are a nightmare to hand sand out of them, um, but yeah, treat them with care and... Um, you you get a, you really will get a really nice finish on it, but it's it's not as easy to finish as maybe a wood would be. Um, so yeah, just just bear that in mind that you will spend some extra time and it'll ruin belts um, quite easily. Not by necessarily taking down the abrasive, but just by clogging up the them belts up. all the time. That that plastic it's, it can be a bit of a nightmare. But yeah, that that's that's my uh, two points on that. 
Do we have any? We have. We've got lots more questions. Well, Jeez. I mean, we also Jeez. have the question of what you, how, if you're going to gum up your belts, <laughs> what are you going to gum them up on? I'm gumming mine up on, I'm gumming my belts up on a Broadback Ironworks grinder. Slick. Broadback Ironworks grinder, got two by 72 grinder. It's a knife, it's a knife, it's a metal grinding grinder. You can use it if you're not, even if you're not a knife maker, if you're just saying at a metal shop, it's a great versatile grinder to have. Uh, it goes, ver it goes, um, Horizontal and vertical, very versatile and intuitive, super long platen and work rest. If you can put that, you can put it up horizontally, put your work rest on there, and you have a great, great situation for even if you're not uh, making knives, any kind of metal work, woodwork, whatever you got. You don't need wrenches to change all the platens, all their uh, or their all the attachments. They got new attachments coming left and right, and they just sent me the uh, the integral bolster. Uh, slash fullering uh, attachment, and it is awesome. I haven't been able to use it yet just because I've been behind, but it is awesome. Everything's put together really well. It's very thoughtful thinking, uh, thoughtful in terms of how they do it. The, uh, the You put them together, uh, and then the shipping's included in the price. If you go to broadbeckironworks.com, put in Knife Talk 10, you get yourself a grinder, get your 10% 10 off on your grinder. They got all sorts of new attachments coming through, and, and um, it's a very, very thoughtful machine, and they're Really, really good guys. And if you have questions, for sure, go uh, send them a message and they will walk you through everything you need without hard selling either. Broadback, yeah. Broadbackironworks.com, Knife Talk 10. Okay. Tesla I... of... Sorry, go on, Marekka. I was just going to say, if I can add something, um, just really quick. I, something I've mentioned before is I love the flexibility of their grinder and, and the fact that I can use tool arms that I've built myself in the machine but what's also you know if maybe you already have a machine and you don't need another grinder but what what is also great about broadback's flexibility is sure maybe you don't need the body but they have tons of tool arms like the integral grinding platen or the the uh, surface grinding attachment or the buffer arm you know all these different tool arms that you can use across different platforms which is what craig's going to be doing with his new surface grinding attachment so you know they're, they're incredibly yeah. flexible uh company whether you need a new chassis or you need just tooling arms they got you covered for sure great point yeah great point if you got if you got somebody else you can get their you can get their attachments and they're definitely worth the price definitely worth it and just do yourself a favor. Get the just get the VFD. I, I, if you can if you can just knuckle up and get VFDs, you will be maximizing your belts. You'll be maximizing your your work time, and you will just have so much more flexibility in regards to how you're grinding. So there you go. That was a good point. Real good point. Go. Broadbackironworks.com and use Knife Talk Ten. Okay, um, the next one is from uh, Warfley or Warfley Cutlery. Um, I've done this as a question, actually. Um, oh, this is regarding, we were talking last week, if we had 20 million in the bank. Um, and he said, if I had 20 million in the bank, I'd build you QD state-of-the-art recording booths. Um, we don't need it. We've got state-of-the-art recording booths. We've got a fridge, we've got a van, and we've got all van. sorts going on. Van and a fridge? Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, yeah, Jeep. What are you in? What are you in over there? A fridge and a van. You're like uh, from uh, Silence of the Lambs. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, and he said that being said you really do have the best audio in the podcast game thanks for all the hard work for the community okay it's not a question but yeah nice thank you very much Wolf Lee Cuttery 
So I'll go to the next one because it is a question, I think. <laughs> From Noah's Ark with a Z. Noah's Ark. Hey, fellas. First time, long time. Over the past few years, I have gar- I've had garage sales. On occasion, I find myself a nice, reputable company knife, um, like from Zvillian or Vustov, um, but the blade is all scratched and scuffed. What is the best way for me to fix up the blade without getting rid of the name on the blade? I'm assuming that the names are etched on there uh, more often than not. Um, sorry, I made a mess of that, but yeah, basically he's going to garage sales and he's buying these knives and they've got they've got the brand names. He wants to clean them up without getting rid of the brand names. Um, any tips? <laughs> I, I've never found a way to retain that mark. Usually the marks are pretty superficial. They're just like lightly mm. lasered on there. They and and not the quality deep etch that Craig is getting, but a very superficial light dusting almost in a way of a mark that you can almost scrape them off with your fingernails. Um, yeah, just I, I guess if you're trying to retain that mark, then just don't hit it. But otherwise, it's gonna get it's gonna get taken off pretty easily. Yeah, you. It have sounds to... like they must be garage selling to refinish knives and then resell them or something. I don't know. Well, a lot of axe guys do that. Like our friend uh, Roy Scott, Vintage Axe Works. He'll he'll throw he'll throw his a- he'll get axes at garage sales and throw them in some uh, vapor rust and then and then the, all the marks are kind of in there. And then he he's able to resell them. And people can know exactly what they're getting because he keeps the sure. maker's mark on there. I think that you're right with like those willings and stuff like that. It's like a a very thin, you know, it's 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 like almost built. Some of them are like built on top. It's not like even acid etch. It's almost like they're like some type of you know you can take them off with your fingernail, which means that they're like raised yeah. off the knife. It's like a mark rather than an engraving. It's yeah. I think you're. I, not, you can do that with with your home machines as well. So if you've got like a uh, like a marking machine engraver, some of them. Um, I know, like the, we talked about the personalizer. The personalizer plus has the option for either AC or DC, and one of them will only mark. It won't. It won't engrave in any way, and the mark can come off over time. And I think that's that's what we're talking about with these, really. Yeah. Um, I suppose what you could do, you could you could maybe mask it off. And then maybe sort of hand sand, avoiding those areas, but it's, it's never going to look that. Good. You'd have to like, yeah, but I suppose you have to be a very, very, sm- uh, very small piece of tape, you know. And then you'd have yeah. to like real careful. I mean, if you're looking to resell it, maybe if they... you hear that, okay, no. good. My stomach. Oh. I don't know. I don't, I don't eat or dr- <laughs> I don't drink coffee or eat before we do these things because I don't want to have to go to the bathroom. So, but what happens is, is like after about the <laughs> hour the and thing. fifty minute after an hour and forty minute mark. My guts start gurgling, and I'm just like hearing him in my earphones. I'm just like, Jesus H. Christ, I hope no one else. Who was that? I'm like, oh, God, it was fucking me. I mean, it was a real gurgle. It was like I'm in my lungs. It was a fucking loud one. Don't so, trust uh, a fart, Jeff. Don't trust your farts. I don't, I'm not, not this isn't, this isn't a fart. Trust me. The time, when I have a fart, I promise you, I will stick my ass into the microphone and I will blow one right at you guys. I promise. Oh, I promise you. I promise Jesus. you. But I, it hadn't happened yet. Um, I, I think that I, I think that you're out. I think you you know if you if you're gonna rehand sand the knife without taking off, uh, you know unless it's deep in there, you you're sunk. You know, you, especially if you want to resell them. I mean, you can't. Doesn't really work that well. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, if you're gonna grind it off, it's not gonna work. And especially if you're using the best um, grinding belts on the market, 
Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! 15% off. You'd be a fool not to. Head on over to CombatAbrasives.com and make sure you're using KNIFETALK15 to get your discounts. Right, let's take... One or two more questions, and then we'll then we'll head out before Jeff uh, passes out with lack of sugar I'm in his body. Fine, don't worry. I'm working on I'm working on the blubber. I'm the bl- I'm, I'm I'm retained. I have retained retained uh, blubber that's keeping me around. Don't worry about that. It's <laughs> a Halloween candy. You've uh, been eating all the Halloween candy. We don't buy out. We didn't buy any Halloween candy this year. I'm not doing it. Oh, all right. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. What are we gonna do? Drop it out of a window? I don't like <laughs> well, We were discussing that. I mean. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna have a pumpkin outside the house and just put candy in there and kids can help themselves if they pass. But yeah, the first year we moved into our house with uh, my wife was super pregnant and we were just we were living on the first floor. Everything we were redoing the second, third floors, and all of a sudden it's people knocking the door and they're saying trick or treat. And we're like, fuck, it's fucking Halloween. I had to. There were these piles of kids. I had to run in. I got raisins and nuts and also this bullshit. I was just like, I was putting my, I had to throw all this bullshit into a bag and then like reach in and then like. Are they squirrels? These kids are squirrels. Oh, God. It was like. I mean, trail mix? Oh, prunes, granola bars, cereal, unwrapped cereal. It's like, they'll never see it. I'll just grab a big handful and then I'll just put it in their bag and they won't be able to see it. And then they'll fuck way off until they'll be like, who gave me all this goddamn bird seed? <laughs> old man fader that's what he did uh, but that actually but that's probably a good call because what you find is if you give out the, the good candy all the kids in the street they'd be like oh that's the house to go to and they'd all be like marching towards the house all of them together the politicians times, so. in my town do like the big candy bars like the normal size candy bars and they're on the hook because everyone knows you get the big candy bars from those politicians <laughs> and uh the one thing that really traumatized my daughter when she was very young was we were we were trick or treating with her and and um, we left out a pump uh, jack o' lantern with candy with a note saying take one and somebody took the whole thing and we came back my daughter was you know, dressed up as whatever Tinkerbell or something like that and she sees that the pumpkin's gone and she says Daddy where's where's the uh, jack o' lantern and I'm just like I had to explain to her that somebody stole the whole thing it Ugh. fucking traumatized her it traumatized her because she was really like. You know, people do that. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> There's no going in soft with you, is there? Like you could have what said, I say? Oh, oh, I oh yeah, the, the oh, took oh, it, away, it came oh. to life and flew <laughs> off into the into the. Sit down. Let me tell you how bad the world is. No, I said, is. Is I, said I said, I said, I guess somebody took. Or she must have overheard me saying, "Hill, like somebody took the goddamn jack o' lantern," and so they took it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and Father Christmas. Well, I mean, for exists. fuck's Go sake, for fuck's sake. I mean, what are you, what are you, what are you going to say? What would you have said? What are you going to say to your kids when some French garçon hooligan just grabs that, that fucking, grabs that fucking orange-faced jack-o'-lantern off your porch? What are you going to tell your poor little children? Well, you break How are you going to break into it? Go ahead, break them doing gently. Maybe a squirrel come along that was very hungry and he's to take the Okay, now we're afraid of squirrels. You know? <laughs> squirrels are a bunch. Of- Goddamn, squirrels are fucking strong. Oh, there yeah. you go. Nuts. So the answer is no candy. Uh, there's not a lot of candy. No candy in our house. Okay. 
shall we? Talk about our dreams and aspirations for the week. Um, Jeff, what, where would you like to be this time next week? Well, What's going you're going to laugh, but I am. I just got. I put up the sweatsh the hoodies for Fader Knives, and we went fucking out of control. You know, we sold them all, and, and I actually have to wrap them up today. I'm all excited because we're going to be wrapping them all up and shipping them all out on Monday, and I got to order more because everyone's like, you know, hoodie crazy. Well, you don't have a six XL. Have you ever heard of a six XL? My guy said he makes six XLs. Six XLs. That, like, fucking fits over a dumpster. That's, like, that's so big. I'm, like, I'm hoping someone orders one because I want to tell my guy, I'm, like, dude, go get the tarp because we're going to be making six XLs. We haven't had any of those orders yet, but I'm going to be excited about that. And then uh, I don't have to hand sand this week, which is great. I'm going to be working on handles, and then I'm going to start cutting in some serrations. So I'm very I'm looking forward to kind of mapping my week out accordingly. So nice, nice. Uh, ma- Maleko. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to get back next week. Yeah, looking forward to get back in the forge uh, and doing some forging. I'm doing some interesting, something very different for me. I'm forging out some chisels, some carpentry chisels. Um, so that should be fun. So, but it's always forging is always the 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 most enjoyable part of the process. Um, I'm really excited too to see what these uh, how the pattern worked out. I did something different with my topography cladding that I did. Um, for so the chisels match the blade. The the blade's gonna have a sandmai look, but the chisels will only be kind of half of the sandmai look. Um. So that it's a mono steel core or kind of cutting edge with the cladding on top of it. Really cool. Um, so it'll be interest. It'll be cool to see how it comes out. I'm really excited. It'll. I think it'll look nice. I'm we'll imagine if you're making it, it's gonna look great. Oh, thank you. I've been working on a. Like just like an hour a day for the last maybe month, um, a bit of a secret project, um, which is more to do with the makery really than than knife making, um, which I'm hoping to finish up this week and probably launch next week. Um, so I, I can't really see what it is at the moment. I'm just hoping that it's going to go well. Um, yeah, and and that's it really. So not much knife making this week. So I'm a bit of ahead with the camp knives, which is the next sort of big delivery. Um, so yeah, not much knife making, more work on computers and sort of in the studio. Um, and that's it. So yeah, a nice mellow week. I'm hoping with, with clean hands still on Friday. May I just thank you once again for all the hard work you do for the makery channel. You really do. a. It's a lot of work. You can. Yes. Go on. I'm telling you, I'm (laughs) saying thank you. I'm saying thank you for all the hard work that you've done. It's great. I'm enjoying listening to the shows on the makery channel. And hot news we've got a new show joining the network as well so if you're into um woodworking um we've got a woodworking show coming with um three hosts who are um very well known on on youtube um so it's gonna be a big show i think so it's gonna be a woodworking show and that'll be with us within the next few weeks so yeah um no because we haven't fully agreed everything yet but um 
But it's coming. I'm pretty sure it's coming. So, so yeah. So make sure you head over to makery.network and have a look at all the uh, the different shows. Because obviously, as well as Knife Talk, there's a bunch of others as well. So go over, um, see what you like, give them a listen. And um, as we always say, you know, things like reviews and that kind of thing always help us out. That's a show. That's a show. Over two hours again. Nice. Thank you all very much for listening. And we shall speak to you all again very, very soon. Bye for now. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.